there's something we talk about around here often, and I'm going to hopefully bring a few pieces to it that maybe I haven't talked about before. And uh, it's, it's actually a really a core of mine personally is to see established in this house. There's a few things that are a major core here, but one of them is actually seeing a healthy body that um, is, a, is a body where the, the different fivefold graces are operating in the body. And I've talked about it and I've preached about it more than once. I haven't preached about it in about a year. And I, I try about once a year to talk about this topic because it's so important to me. It's really my passion. It's really something that I believe we're supposed to do as a house. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take you through a few thoughts on this, and we'll see where we land. I don't have a lot of time, but I, I think we can get through some of this pretty, ama- pretty quickly, pretty amazingly. <laughs> Thanks for the education, Jesus. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I don't know even know where that came from. It was pretty amazingly. My sermon is amazing today, guys. <laughs> All right. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is a passage that most of us know that talks about the fivefold. And go ahead and just, just, just flip there if you have your Bibles. But I want you to understand that when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus was the fullness of heaven in a man. He was all fivefold walking on earth. But Jesus is, is, did a cool move. When he, when he left, he said, listen, I want to see you guys work, work together. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all five of the different graces that I carry, and I'm going to split them up, and I'm going to distribute them so that you have to actually work together to see the fullness of the kingdom. And so, you know, let me just put a little context out there. I don't believe that there's anyone that walks in all five since Jesus. I don't. I don't believe that he would split it all up just to give it all back to one person. I believe that he distributes them. I believe some people walk in different offices. Sometimes they're strong in one, and they also are kind of strong in another. You see that a lot. But he distributed these five gifts to the church because he wanted to help us stay connected to heaven. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers... If this was written today, it probably would have started with pastors, because that's really what we recognize in the Western culture church mostly, especially in the South. Everybody's a pastor. Like, you can clean, and you're like the cleaning pastor. You know, I'm serious. There's parking lot pastors, and, there's all, and some of them may be legit, but um, that's really what we recognize fully is mostly the pastoral gifting, and that's, that's normal because the pastors make you feel good. So if I was going to focus on one, that would typically be what we tend to lean to. And it says in verse 12, to equip his people for the works of the service that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith so, we, so that in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's stop there. Some people would challenge, some people would challenge and say that these offices don't exist anymore. I think that's overly optimistic. Because that passage said that they're going to be active until we've come into the full unity of the body of Christ. I don't know about you. I don't think we're there yet. Okay, we're all on that page together. I, I, think, I don't think that we're there yet on the full unity of the body of Christ. And so I believe that these offices are still active and they're still um, extremely important to the body of Christ. And we are in the until place, that until the body of Christ is unified. And so a lot, of, a lot of unhealthy messages on fivefold have come up throughout year after year after year. One of my absolute passions is to see a healthy message on the fivefold without um, 
how do I say this nicely, without people just wanting a bunch of control. Because so often the messages are birthed from a place of control, and it's really unhealthy. And I'm hopefully going to debunk a little bit of that and a little bit of time that we have, but they're very important. You'll notice that there are many groups of believers that don't believe in that, specifically in the apostles and the prophets are still relevant. You will also tend to find the same group of people are very negative. Why? Because the apostles and the prophets are the one that hear from heaven and be able to connect heaven to earth and help provide direction. When you cut out those two, you're left with a lot of just what's happening now. Places that don't value apostles and prophets tend to be pretty naysayers. It's just true. And so uh, the, the office of the apostle and the prophet and these offices, they look towards the future. They're people that are always apostles or ones that are hearing, they're seeing way around things, and they're bringing it here. Prophets are always looking forward. Prophets are, I love hanging out with prophets. They're so much fun. I've got quite a few friends. I like making friends with prophets because they, they just, they, they hear heaven. They see things months down the road, and they shoot you that text, and like, you're like, that makes no sense right now. And then like nine months later, you're like, oh, that's what that meant. And, and sometimes I even believe that prophets will get a word, and sometimes it's not that the Lord wants to do it. Sometimes he's warning us to pray against it. I, can, I, can I just throw something out here that I heard someone told me a long time ago about John Paul Jackson who had tons of dreams, and people would always ask him, what do you see about the future of the church? And he always used, uh, he said something often. He said, I've had a lot of dreams about the future of the church, but he says, I'm not going to speak them. Because he says some of them are concerning, and he said, I don't want to release that. I just want to pray into what God wants to see, the future of the church. And some people I see, like I have, especially on, on you know, the, the church of Facebook, um, people will go on there, and it's the biggest denomination with no credibility. And <laughs> no credibility, man. And, um, but the loudest ones get all the attention. And so people would get on there, and God gave me a dream, and they shoot it out there. And I'm like, well, you know, one of two things. Maybe that was or wasn't God, but maybe it was, and maybe he gave you that dream to pray instead of be a naysayer about the future. Because I don't know if you've noticed, Jesus loves his church. Like he died for the church. And so... We need the apostles. We need the, the prophets. We, we need the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists. They're all extremely important, but I believe that when we don't have them active and operating, we get these churches that are very strong in one vein of the fivefold ministries. You see them all the time. Um, you see a church that's extremely evangelistic. It's usually a massive church because they're really good at winning people for Jesus. The pastors are very charismatic. They're amazing communicators, typically. And, and please don't stereotype. Some of this, you could be an evangelist and very quiet, so I'm not going to just stereotype this stuff. But from what I've seen a lot of, a lot of times an evangelistic church is a fast-growing church. But sometimes people also get to the point where they're like, I've been saved enough. I've seen it with outpourings, awesome outpourings where they're like, I've been saved 12 times now. Now what? And so we need the pastors, and we need the teachers, and we need these different offices operating in the body of Christ. And the church historically keeps taking two of these five gifts out. Because when we remove the apostles, we don't have to change the way we think. If I remove the apostle, there's no one challenging me on my doctrine. There's no one challenging me on the way I think. 
So it's much easier for us to take them out and say, no one challenges me anymore. And so often we see the apostles taken out. If we take out the prophets, often we take out the challenge to grow. The person that gets up there and speaks, and you're like, either step up or step out. Like that, you feel that grace on them. It's not negative. You don't have to prophesy. The Bible says that when you prophesy, it should be edifying to the body of Christ. So uh, you don't want to be, but sometimes when you edify, it can be an edification that challenges you. I, I, I edify my children to clean their room all the time. I strongly edify them. I'm like, you're better than this, guys. <laughs> and it's a challenge. And sometimes they'd love to just cut that right out. But they need that. They need that. We need that. And every single Protestant denomination that you can think of started with apostles and prophets. But many of them tried to cut them out. And once we remove the voice of heaven from a movement, we reduce the movement to a monument. We see that too. We see things that become a memorial. It was an awesome movement. It turned into a memorial. Why? Because the apostolic was removed from it. And so now you went from an awesome movement in Christ to a monument of what almost was. Or a monument of something that was great. But I don't want to worship in a monument. I want to be in a movement. And for me to be moving, we have to have these offices. And Jesus knew what we would face. I mean, it's not like Jesus gave birth to the, year, the church 2,000 years ago, and then he's like, I didn't know what it was going to be like in 2019. He knew what we were in for. And let me just say this. I, I love to, I don't know why I feel this. So many people, we can become negative, and we're like, man, things don't look good. You need to read your history more. If you think things are negative right now, read your history books. Like, they're not dragging your kids and murdering them. And like, I mean, it's bad. Like, things in the history of the church were bad. Matter of fact, there's some statistics out there that, that are not covered about how fast the church is growing right now. It's rapidly growing. And so I'm going I'm to skip through a little bit of this. I just don't have time to go through it all. But it said in that scripture, it said, I'm going to read it one more time. Ephesians 4 verse 12 said, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, that word, and again, if you've, if you've heard this Bear with me. I pray the Lord reveals some fresh stuff to you because I've shared some of these points. But that word equip is something that I actually don't think we know much about. We do conferences all the time, the equipping of the saints and the equipping and equipping and equipping. And often, I think that we think it's something that it's not. The word equip is actually a Greek word, and it's pronounced this way, kartartizo. And it's a Greek medical term that means to, it's a, it's a chiropractic term that means to adjust the bone. That's what the word cartismo means, is to adjust the bone. Now, I want you to begin to think about this now from a chiropractic standpoint. I, I'm not pumping anyone, but I will say this. Over the past two or three years, we've been going a lot more to a chiropractor because for a season, we had like a million of them in the church. And, and like, so, I mean, it was weird, guys. Like, when the Lord first started birthing this message in me, often you'll see things in the physical realm that are reflecting what God's doing in the spiritual realm. And I started preaching on chiropractors, and they all showed up. Every Sunday, I was like, oh, I'm a chiropractor. I'm like, yeah, I figured. Like, you know, every week. And, and I often wonder what would happen if we actually preach about the positive on things, how many God would bring in. 
And so I began to really go after this, and we had tons of chiropractors coming in. And so my, my family and I, we see a chiropractor very regularly, at least once a week. And that's, we don't even, none of us for the most part get sick. The reason I'm feeling sick is because I quit going so much this year. And my immune system got out of whack. Here's the interesting thing. Chiropractors, they're extremely important because you may not know it, but when they adjust you in certain parts of your adjustment impacts your whole immune system, your body, and the health of your body. When Paul was saying here, he was saying, listen, the fivefold offices are needed in the body of Christ because they come in and they adjust you. Yeah. Some adjustments hurt. Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go in, it's like sore for two or three days. Sometimes you're sore for two or three days when someone comes in and adjusts you the right way. But it was, it's usually because you were so far out of whack that when they adjusted you, you felt it. And so he's, it's interesting because if you continue reading, he actually goes straight into the, the analogy of where the body of Christ, some are a foot, some are ear. So Paul is in this, he is doing this metaphor about the body. And he's saying for the body of Christ to be healthy, we have to actually be adjusted regularly. And the different five-fold offices that he lists off are the ones that adjust you. What would happen, though, if you went to a chiropractor and every week the only thing they adjusted was your back? And that's it, just your back. Your back would be okay. But at some point, you're going to be like, man, my neck is out. Well, I don't do necks. Let's do backs. And some people, your back is great in the spirit realm. But your neck's out and your shoulder's out. And things in your body are out of alignment because you've been adjusted from one of the same graces over and over. The one we get adjusted the most by is the pastor. Pastors, because that's in our culture primarily what the office is that we recognize. And, and, and it's very unfortunate because in the Western culture, church, we expect the pastor, we actually put an expectation on them to be all, like all five. And we've created a culture where we wonder why pastors don't feel like they can succeed. But we've also created a culture where we say, well, I need you to teach me the word of God. I need you to love me. I need you to help me know what to do, prophesy these things. I need you to show me how to go and do outreach. And you're putting all of the fivefold offices on the shoulder of one man and then saying, why? I just feel like you're not a great pastor. (laughs) He probably doesn't feel like a great pastor either. This is really important because I see pastors constantly quitting. And I see him burn out, and I see him frustrated, and I see him so irritated because all of the responsibility that the church is putting on their shoulders was never meant to be on them. Would it be okay if a pastor actually just loved people? But see, for you to be okay with that, we, could, we would have problems if all we ever did was come in every week, and yeah, we would feel great about ourselves, but if all we're doing is getting loved on, then we're not growing. But the only way to see this thing begin to shift if is, is if you're okay with people being in authority and leadership that aren't just a pastor. And then the control struggle comes in. I've, I've talked to so many pastors over this, and, and, I, and I share this every time. So often the first question is, well, who's in charge? And Jesus. And I, 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 do, get, I do get that there has to be uh, an order of structure to a degree for things to operate. I understand that. I really do. Like, someone has to sign somebody's paycheck. Like, there's an order to things that happen. I get that. But so often, it's really more about, well, I don't want to share my control. And so we get, in this, we get in this friction where we have often, we've either got a pastor that's feeling really beat down, really tired because the church is expecting things from him that he can't offer. What if he's not a great teacher? <laughs> 
I mean, I wonder how many times, I mean, people don't get hired in church and they're a phenomenal pastor, but they're just not a good teacher. And so there's no value for that. What if they're a good teacher and they're not a great pastor? I know some of those too. I find out as soon as I call them with my problems, I'm like, I'm not calling you again. I have one person in mind right now and I'm not going to say it. I will sooner or later once I talk to them about it. But I remember I called them one time about nine months ago, some struggles, and they're just like, I was like, thanks. Like, for, you're not a pastor. Like, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but like, you're not a pastor. I'm like, but thanks for all those great verses. <laughs> like, and, and, and so we, we see these different giftings, and there's so much responsibility often on the minister of a church that people say, well, you should be operating in all five. I don't think that's how God designed it. I think he actually had this vision of the church and the body working together. And so what does it look like? How are we doing? We've got a few more minutes. So we need an evangelist that comes in and adjusts us. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think that's the area probably that the spirit-led church is the weakest in, in my opinion, is evangelism. I'm not saying that with any, no condemnation. I'm just saying that's an area I think we need to grow in, even here. It's an area we need to grow in. But people often like the evangelist because the evangelist will very clearly state things, typically. And they will share things, and it goes straight to it. But what happens? You can get offended, or you can recognize, oh, man, that was a, that adjustment. Whew. I go out of places sometimes, and I, I could sit there and rip them apart and find things that I didn't like, but in reality, I needed that adjustment. I go out to lunch with friends sometimes, and they have a gift in, on their life, and they'll say things, and I can either try to find ways to maneuver out of it or say, yeah, they're right, and that hurt. What's happening? They're adjusting my body so it'll work well. You still with me, church? You're really quiet. I'm hoping just because you're listening. Huh. Apostles, <laughs> apostles come in and they say things you're like, you never even thought about. Like, it's not even something that you've thought about and you've disagreed. It's like, I've never even heard that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many ever, uh, the, the clearest one that I can personally think of is Bill Johnson. He, he's, he is an apostle. And there's other, I believe Jack Hayford was an apostle. And I believe there's other men and women of God that have been apostles. And they say things and you hear it and you're like, <laughs> It's kind of like the disciples when they would say to Jesus, that's, whoa, that's, that's a new one. And they say it, but how many of you know when there's life on it? Yes. Anybody with me? When someone speaks something and you know there's life on it, and then all of a sudden you're confronted with something, they just spoke this, I feel the life on it, now what do I do? And that's where we get into some of the struggles with what we believe. That's why denominations and churches like to push out apostles because often they'll come in and shake up everything they've built on. So something that we see that's interesting, if we flip over to, um, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just say it. You can write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. We get into something where he talks about first apostles. Second prophets, third teachers. This is another area where a lot of people have trouble because they're like, well, I don't believe in the hierarchy stuff. And maybe if you understood it a little better, you would have less of an issue. The problem is not the order. 
The problem is that people have been hurt by others who have taken on a title. And then through your filter, you said, well, I've been there. I don't believe in that. I don't agree with that. I mean, imagine if you did that with marriage. Every time that you got hurt in an argument, all of a sudden you just don't believe in marriage. (laughs) Nobody would be married. It's life. And things happen with people that have authority, and they have a title of an apostle or prophet. Sometimes it's really Some bad things happen. I've seen all different things happen. The problem is not the order. The problem is when somebody is using a position to serve as a position to control. That's where the problem becomes. And so what we can do is when we begin to get healed and we begin to get whole, we can begin to see these scriptures through lenses that are healthy. I talked about this last week. My goal in life, I don't know about you, but my goal in life is to get rid of all the triggers in my life. Like, I want to get rid of triggers. I don't want someone to say something and it, and it triggers in me. And, you know what I'm talking about? I could say, I could right now say 12 triggers in this room and half of you would go home angry at me. Like, well, I can't believe you said their name. I can't believe you're talking about that movement. And there's triggers in our lives because we've been hurt by them. And so my goal in life is to get rid of the triggers. As a matter of fact, I pay close attention to when someone triggers me and I go home and I try to pray over it and get through it. Because I don't want to have triggers. Why? Because the devil knows your triggers too. And he knows how to yank the rug out from under you. And he usually waits until you're in a place where everybody gets to see it. And I want to get to the point where he can't yank the rug out from under me. Because I try my best to live in a place where I'm trigger free. But there are triggers with the fivefold ministry. And I'm talking with ministers that have been doing this longer than I've been alive. And I talk to them. And I can feel it trigger them. And what happened? They just went back to a place in their life where they remembered somebody who had the title, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and they just filtered it through that pain. And now they triggered. Well, what if we could correct the way that we see it a little bit? And instead of understanding, there is a big difference between authority, power, and control. We have to understand there is a difference between authority, power, and control. I love how uh, some people teach it, authority and power. Um, a police officer has a badge. That is his authority. Uh, his gun is his power. He needs both, or she. They need both to operate. But there's a difference. Then there's control. Control is really important to understand. There's a difference between authority and control. The Bible says in the New Covenant that we are to be self-controlled. To be self-controlled means there was no room for anyone else to control you. Some people don't like the message. They'd rather be controlled than take responsibility for their actions. They would rather someone control them instead of being self-controlled. And so, especially with raising children, listen, our goal to raise children is to be self-controlled. Why? Because when your control is out and they move out and they're finally out, they're gone. And they're like, nobody controlling me now. Our goal as a parent is to raise up in them something where they are self-controlled. But when we talk about this thing with first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, we need to understand what this means. Why are apostles listed first? I believe it's because they have the most authority. But why? Because they have the most feet to wash. The prophets next in line. If you ever follow, and it's very true, if you go look up some people that are like established apostles and prophets, just go on social media. Their following is huge. That's natural. 
because that's the gift on their life is people follow the grace, okay? But they also have to have an authority to be able to operate in that place that's healthy, okay? It's not about how many people can I control. It's about how many people do I serve. And so we, we have to understand that piece that there's a misconception that, that, that we, we think that, um, well, that's bad. No, it's not about how many people you control. It's about how many people you have to have an authority. You don't want to put someone as an apostle that's over hundreds of thousands of people and they don't have an authority to match the grace or it'll crush them. You guys are quiet on me. Is this making sense? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm literally jumping around and just grabbing thoughts. The question I hear all the time is, which one am I? It's like, like people are shaking me like the black ball. I'm like, I don't know. They're like, which one am I? Um, well, remember that, the, that we need saints. Remember the scripture I opened with that says for the equipping of the you're going to run into trouble if all you have is five-fold people all together. I've been in some of those meetings before, and you can feel the friction in the room, man. It's like, whoa. And then one person teaches like the opposite of another person, and it was like, oh, that's going to be fun to watch that come together. And, but we need saints. Uh, let me put it this way. Let me, let's just throw this idea out there. Let's imagine a race, right, like a, a NASCAR race. We're in the South, right? And so let's imagine that there's the pit crew. The pit crew's amazing. They're the ones that you pull into, and they're, you know, those are the guys that just beep, 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 and send you back out. I want you to imagine the pit crew as the five-fold ministers. I want the, you to, to um, run with me that the saints are the ones racing. But I also, I was thinking about this, and I was praying in there, and I was like having this massive encounter with the Lord before service. And uh, the Lord said, and I was like, Immediately, I was like, well, then all the people are like the ones that are not saved. And he's like, no, they're not. They're the cloud of witnesses. And I began to think about that. You want to go there with me real quick? Let's, let's, let's take it there. Hebrews 12.1. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12, 1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Let's stop there for a minute. How many know every time you read your Bible and there's a therefore, you need to know what it's there for? That's a really good thing. If you're reading a scripture and it starts with a therefore, back it up a little bit. Because then you don't know what you're reading about. This gets interesting. Because the scripture before this, if you read the chapter before this, it's, it's um, Hebrews chapter 11. It's, my Bible just captioned as faith in action. And basically what they do is they just go through all these generals in the faith and what they did. They walk through the Abrahams, and they go through the Isaacs, and the Jacobs, and the Moses, and the Joseph. And they go through all these different people, and they talk about just a little snapshot of their story, just a quick snapshot. The end, though, says this. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised 
since God had planned something better for us, listen to this, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about the people that have gone before you that have had assignments that the, the, the completion of their assignment is actually in you. I want you to think about this. Parents, uh, spiritual mothers and fathers in your life. This gives me goosebumps. We even see it when Jesus went on to the Mount Transfiguration and we saw Elijah and Moses show up. Yeah, I, I get it. Elijah was taken off, but Moses died. And they both show up. There are people that have gone before you. This, this, this gives me chill bumps to think about. There are people that have gone before you that have given their life towards a mission, given everything they have towards a mission, but they could only take it as far as their life allowed. But now there is a cloud of witnesses that are surrounding you and watching you. Why? Because you are picking up where they left off. And what are they doing? They're, they're cheering you on. They're saying, come on. Come on, man. You got this. Think about people that have died and they didn't finish their... Think about revivals that happened and got stopped. It didn't really stop. The, the Lord is just waiting for someone else to pick it up and to carry it on. I hear about the stories and, and the powerful moves of like the Lakeland revivals. I'm like, well, man, that could have been great. It still could be. Like it was great and it doesn't have to stop. We think, well, somebody messed up. Well, who's going to do something about it? Who's going to do something about it? When people tell me that and they come talking negative about other ministers and they're like this, I'm like, what are you going to do about it? Please don't talk to me about that. First of all, you've probably never been in their shoes. That's my soapbox. I'm going to stop before I go too far. I'm going to stop before I go too far, but be careful what you say. Be careful what you say because that is God's kids. And he really loves them, even when they're screw-ups. He loves them. And he, he chose them. Bill Johnson says, all I need to do to honor somebody is to see that God chose them. That's all I need. I see Christ in them. But what's the point? There's a cloud of witnesses that have gone before you. I want you to run with this. You've got the pit crew that they're there tuning things up. You've got the race cars that are going. We need people. We need saints. When you hear this, don't just go into what fivefold office am I? There is an authority that comes with those offices. If you try to minister in the office without the authority, it ain't fun. I meet people that try to minister in an office that don't have the authority. Some of them, they just feel like they have to be a pastor because that's the only word we know. I'm serious. I meet people. I'm like, man, you are an amazing teacher. But you need a pastor in your church. You wouldn't believe how many, especially small churches that I get together with, the number one thing is that the person leading the church is not a pastor. And they don't have the money to hire a pastor, and they're stuck because they need a pastor. It happens all the time. And I believe God will raise people up. And I, and I tell them, you need to pray for a pastor. You need to pray for a pastor. But we need the saints. I think we've gotten this backwards. I mean, actually, according to your Bible, fivefold offices are raising up saints to do the work of the ministry. Could it be that we need to stop looking at them to do all the work and start saying, I need to take responsibility to do the work of the ministry? 
<laughs> I felt that one drop. <laughs> it was like, okay, we'll end on that one. Who wants to go to the guest lunch? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's not the responsibility. Let's, let's read your Bible of the fivefold ministers to be doing all the work of the ministry. It's their responsibility to raise up saints that do it. The church would take off at a pace that it's never seen if we got this. That their job is to raise up saints that do the ministry. <laughs> There's a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. I can hear them. Stand up with me. I'm sure you can find this somewhere in our YouTube channel if you want the full version. This was really fast. Because I want to honor our lunch today, and I know they put a lot of work into it. Thank you, Father. I feel like, you know, I don't know, sometimes I preach this, and I feel like maybe I think it's more important than others do, and maybe that's how anyone feels when they're passionate about something. But I don't, I just feel like this is so important that we understand this, that if we want to see a healthy body, we have to embrace them all. And I have by no means figured it all out. Goodness, no, we're, we're, we're just trying our best to figure this out, what it looks like. But we want to see healthy people. And we can't do it if we don't welcome in those, those different gifts that he gave to the church. And there's some stereotypes out there that, you know, well, pastors don't get along with evangelists or teachers. You know, can I just say grow up? Am I allowed to say that? Let's put up in the name of the Lord. I'll make it better. Grow up in Jesus. We have to learn how to get along. Bobby Connor once, I don't know if you know who he is, he prophesied and said, if we're really going to see an effective evangelism, we need the prophets prophesying what fields for the evangelist to go to. He said evangelists are out there working twice as hard as they need to because they're just going in the dark where to hit. If the prophets would actually work with them and say you need to go there, then they would be way more effective. We see these connections in the spirit realm that we need. We need, we need pastors that are in connections with apostles that, that, that challenge them and teachers that are challenged. We need it. It's good. The idea that I believe this and I'll never change is dangerous. I know that's not a popular statement, but we need to be challenged. We need to be challenged. Amen? It's hard to believe in a God that's as great as he is and think we know everything about him. Because by saying I'm never going to think differently is meaning that I know everything I need to know about him. And that's just not true. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. And so, Father, I want to do something now. I'm going to pray over you. And, Father, I pray right now over everyone in this room that's been hurt by what was supposedly apostolic or prophetic ministry or whatever it might have been. And there was an unhealthy element in there, whatever that might be. Father, I pray you'd highlight that right now. And today is the day to let that thing go. I kept hearing this morning, back in action, back in action. I keep feeling there's a number of ministers in here, um, and I just keep hearing the word back in action, yeah. back in action. I've heard it all throughout worship and didn't know where to say of it. He's calling us back in action. I pray that there would be an element 
in this morning that it's easy to heal. I pray that, Father, that the oil of your spirit would just be poured out this morning, right now, in this room, and that, Father, that healing would come easily. Some of you need to forgive somebody, and I know you're like, I've probably done this before. Why not do it again? Just forgive them and release them. And I've, pray, and, I've, and I've done this before, but also don't feel bad to call back that portion of your heart. Sometimes people forgive, release, and they don't call back that piece of their heart. And some of you have given leaders pieces of your heart, and when you forgive and let go, you need to call it back. Some of you might even be surprised. They'll call you after this service. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Because they'll feel that piece of, the, of whatever you had came back to you. But right now, I release over you the oil of, I keep hearing this, oil of his gladness. The oil of his gladness would pour over you. Rush through this room. And that, Father, we would be a people that welcome the gifts that you gave us. We need them. Matter of fact, right now we say we need the apostles. We need the prophets. We need teachers. We need evangelists. We need pastors. We do. And I pray over any of you that have operated in a place that was, things were expected of you that was outside of your grace. <laughs> But you don't put that filter on just ministry in general. It's not just ministry. Amen? Thank you, Father.